Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions? I'll tell you like I'll tell them all. Call my friends at InventHelp. Call InventHelp today for free information. InventHelp can submit your invention to companies who are interested in receiving new ideas. To get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-352-3719. That's 1-800-352-3719. This is Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Okay, is that not on you then? Be straight up with me. Are you suspended? Why don't you have your license on you? Okay. Where do you say that? Down here? Okay. Well, until I can figure out if you have a license, license or not, go ahead and take your seatbelt off for me. Go ahead and take your seatbelt off. Stop! Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I am your host, Vincent Hill, coming to you, of course, from Atlanta, Georgia, this Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. right here on RadioInfluence.com and available for downloads immediately after the show on iTunes, Stitcher, all the places you can find these cool podcasts that RadioInfluence.com puts out. You can find me there anytime, anyplace. Check out their YouTube channel. Some great stuff going on on RadioInfluence.com. I assure you, this is the future of radio, and I am proud, 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 proud to be part of the family. So what what you just heard at, at the uh, top of the show were two quick sound bites of two very controversial shootings uh, that happened last year. And, of course, they involved a black male and they involved a white police officer. And both of those officers were charged with murder. Both of those officers went to trial. Both of those officers, during the trial proceedings, the jury was unable to reach a verdict in either case. Now, the first clip that I played was the uh, body cam audio of Officer Ray Tenzing, uh, down in Cincinnati, University of Cincinnati police officer, who shot and killed Sam Du Bois on a traffic stop back in July of 2015. His trial last month ended in a hung jury. They were not able to reach a decision. 
And the second audio that I played was actually the uh, audio from, I believe, the dash cam of Michael Slager's car. And he was the officer down in Charleston who shot 50-year-old Walter Scott back in 2015 while he fled. And that case, of course, ended in a hung jury. So the reason I played those clips at the beginning of the show uh, for several reasons. A, and I've said it, I've said it, I've said it, and I still don't think people, unless they've done this job, believe it, that in a split second, it can go from zero to oh shit at a traffic stop. I can't stress how many times there is no such thing as a regular traffic stop. So in the first clip, we hear the officer, Ray Tenzing, talking about a driver's license, tells the individual to step out of the car. You hear the car start up. You hear a struggle, a brief struggle. A few seconds later, you hear a gunshot. And just that quick, Mr. Du Bois was dead from one gunshot wound to the head. In Charleston, started as a traffic stop. You heard the story change, much like in the Du Bois case during the traffic stop. He changed his story. Oh, I have a license. I don't have a license. Oh, I'm just going down the street. Oh, why'd you stop me? It was the same in Charleston. I bought the car. No, I didn't buy the car. I'm going to buy it next week. I don't have insurance. I don't do this. So why am I bringing that up? You may ask. Well, remember when I've talked about certain things that people do to make officers suspicions go up? Well, here's the thing. Your normal, average, law-abiding citizen, and I'm going to get to why I think these officers got off, but your normal law, or not got off, correction, a mistrial, which means at a later time they could be tried again. So, But your normal, law-abiding citizen that gets pulled over by the police, that has all their paperwork, that has a driver's license, that may just have done a simple traffic infraction, is not going to lie to the police. And that same average person, law-abiding person, if the officer asked him to step out of the vehicle, is not going to slam the door, start the car, pull off while the officer is still partially inside your car trying to reach for the keys to the ignition. Or said law-abiding average person on a normal traffic stop is not going to get out of their car while the officer is in his car and take off running at a high rate of speed. Again, it raises officers' suspicion, right? Because a reasonable person would say, huh, what does this person have to hide that they want to flee in this vehicle or they want to get out on foot and flee this traffic stop? Now, what's really important, especially in the uh, University of Cincinnati police officer Ray Tenzing in Du Bois case. Now, of course, the mainstream media, CNN, Clinton News Network, made it, of course, all about race. And it was unjustified. He was shot in the head. All of this good stuff. But there's a few key points you need to understand here. A, everyone was so in an uproar that departments need body cam. It will hold officers accountable. It will make sure they're not doing what they're not supposed to do, right? Everybody was saying that 
after Michael Brown, after all of this stuff, right? Well, here's the thing. Officer Tinsling did have body cam, and I said over a year ago that body cams in themselves will not stop police from using force. It will not, because when you have that split second, when you think your life is in danger, you are going to use force. Body cam, no body cam, Hollywood studio following you around, paparazzi following you around. If you feel imminent threat against your life in a split second, officers will use deadly force. And that's what happened here. So, of course, people thought it was a slam dunk case because they had this body cam of this officer shooting this unarmed black man. Right. We've heard that for the last I don't know how many years, unarmed black man. Well, when it got to trial, it wasn't that easy. Now, while people are going to paint this racial and all of this stuff, keep in mind it was a hung jury and mistrial, which means that a jury of 12, I don't know what the breakdown racially was, nor do I care, to be honest with you, a jury of 12 people could not come to a conclusion and say that this officer committed murder. Well, why is that? Well, A, let's say, for argument's sake, people want to call it racial. And let's just say the jury was the majority white. Well, if that's what it was, then it would have been quite simple, right? Well, not guilty. He's a white guy. I'm a white guy. Let's vote him not guilty. He just killed another one. We really don't care. That wasn't the case because the jury saw exactly what I saw and I did the job and watching that tape, it's hard to just say, oh, let me look at this frame by frame and see exactly where the officer wasn't in danger. His arm was in the car. The car started to leave. I can go talk to my friend James Duke right now who got drug in Nashville. I don't know how many feet, but he has the scar still on his body to prove it, where the young lady dr drug him while he was on a traffic stop. I can show you officer after officer that was drugged by a vehicle during a traffic stop. So it's not as black and white as this video may show, because you have an individual stopped for a traffic infraction. You have an individual changing his story during the minute and a half before the shooting. That's how long the traffic stop was a minute and a half. So he's changing his story. He's in the car doing furtive movements. When the officer tries to extract him from the vehicle, which he can at that point, because he hadn't produced a driver's license. He's driving on a public road. He hasn't given his name at this point. He can for his investigation, detain him to find out, who he is, and if he has a driver's license. So, instead of getting out of the vehicle, Mr. Du Bois closes the door, starts the car, takes off. The officer, at that moment, now, there's going to be people that argue, oh, well, he said he, he was getting drugged, and he wasn't getting drugged, and uh, he didn't have to shoot, he didn't have to do this. At that moment, when his left arm was still in the vehicle, what do you believe that officer thought? Regardless of what he said after, 
regardless of what he said later, regardless of what shirt he was wearing, and I'll talk about that here in a minute, what do you think at that second that officer was thinking? I'm going to go out on a limb and say he was thinking there was an imminent threat against his life. Because let's just say, for argument's sake, that he couldn't get his left hand, his left arm, out of the vehicle. Oh, you don't think it'll happen? Go ask James Duke. Go ask him. Nashville Police Department. I've seen the scars that are there for the rest of his life. I've heard the story where he thought he was going to lose his right arm. Oh, the officer could have got his arm out of the vehicle, and then he didn't have to shoot him, or he could have shot the tire out, or uh, he could have put him in a headlock while the car was moving, or he could have poked him in the eye while the car was moving, or he could have jumped in the car like they do on the TV because he didn't have to shoot him. You weren't there. I wasn't there. The jury wasn't there. But the jury saw the entire thing. They saw what led to the shooting. They saw the officer's actions after the shooting, which there was no malice because the first thing he asked for was a medic. The other officers that showed up were trying to get medical attention. They blocked the crime scene. They did everything they were supposed to by the book. But people want to say, oh, it was unjustified because he was unarmed. Well, again, James Duke. Ask James Duke if that young lady was unarmed because she was. Because guess what? It started as a traffic stop for a suspended license. Kind of like the boys. But then go ask James if his life was ever the same after that. He almost lost his arm. Now, I've got scars on my arm from when I was ran over. That's different because, you know, I was four years old. I thought I was Superman, put on a towel, jumped out of the car. That didn't quite work out for me. But James was doing his job, a traffic stop. He got drugged. Again, I don't know how far. He thought he was going to die. Hmm. You think it's that simple to make that decision of a murder charge? Here's murder. Oh, I'm Ray Tisling. Uh, I'm just walking down the street. Oh, here's a black guy. Bow. Uh, I'm Ray Tisling. I'm just walking down the street. Oh, here's another black guy. Bow. But that's not what it was. Hey, I'm Ray Tisling. I stopped you because of your front plate not being displayed. Now, as minute and as silly as some people think, that is a traffic infraction in the state of Ohio. And as silly as some people think that he stopped them for that, well, again, I can tell you how many countless pounds of marijuana, crack pipes, warrants, you name it, that I found from a simple, minute traffic stop. And then when someone starts to lie to me and making furtive movements and wants to run, that heightens my suspicion. Kind of like this case. So it goes back to what I said at the start, right? A law-abiding, reasonable 
person would not do the actions that Mr. Du Bois did. Now, before somebody that maybe in his family is listening and saying, I'm just being cruel. I'm not saying that I justify him being dead. I'm not saying that at all. It's tragic to lose a father and to lose a son and an uncle and a brother. I get that. But I'm saying based on his actions, based on his movements, based on him wanting to flee, maybe, just maybe, that officer thought his life was in danger because the jury thought, at least those that couldn't come to a conclusion, or probably the ones that could come to a conclusion of not guilty, thought, well, why would someone not doing a crime act the way Mr. Du Bois did? That's why there was a hung jury. Not because this case was based on race, because again, if it was just a jury of 12 white people and it was really racial, they would have found him not guilty. He would have walked. And it wasn't a hung jury because of the shirt he wore, because really that had nothing to do with it. Oh, I know. Vince, what shirt was he wearing? Apparently his T-shirt that he wore under his uniform had a Confederate flag. And something about heritage. I can't remember. I saw a picture of it. It doesn't really matter to me because I used to wear a Superman shirt under my uniform, but that doesn't mean I was going to go jump off bridges to try to save people, right? You can't say, oh, well, he wore a Confederate flag. Therefore, he's racist. And therefore, because he's racist, he had it out to kill Mr. Du Bois. Now, does the flag make him racist? That's arguable. I I don't know. I really don't waste my time worrying about the Confederate flag. I never have, nor will I ever, because racism is in your heart. It's not in the shirt you wear. So that was part of the trial. Well, he had on this Confederate flag shirt, so he had to have had it out for black people. Well, if that's the case, do you think Mr. The Boys is the first black person this individual stopped, that Ray Tisling stopped in the city of Cincinnati around the campus, I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. So if he's not the first person he stopped, the first black person he stopped, I'm going to say he's probably stopped quite a few. So he just happened to be the only one he decided to shoot because he was black and he wanted to kill a black person that day. Mm -mm. Like I said last week, racial or situational, that was the situation. So whether he was wearing a Confederate flag shirt, T-shirt, a Superman shirt, a Smurfette shirt, a Kermit the Frog shirt, a Miss Piggy shirt, it had nothing to do with what happened in that brief minute and a half leading up to that shooting, had nothing to do with it. And the jury even actually said the same thing. It couldn't have had anything to do with it because I think the verdict would have gone a different way. Now, Charleston, South Carolina. Michael uh, Slager, Walter Scott. Michael Slager pulls him over. Traffic stop for brake light. You you heard the, the brief audio. His story changed, Walter Scott's story changed about, oh, it's not my car, I just bought it. Oh, I don't have insurance because I hadn't bought it yet. Oh, I don't have my license. You know, the typical stuff that you would not hear from a normal law-abiding citizen. 
So if you go back, you watch the dash cam while Slager's in his patrol car, Michael Scott, Scott gets out and runs. Now what's interesting. And when I first watched just the, the cell phone video, when I first watched that, I could see definitely how it looks like murder. And I don't know if I fully support the officer in this, but I wasn't there. So I don't, I definitely don't want to Monday morning quarterback it. But because what we first saw was, of course, the cell phone video that was shot by some black guy in Charleston. And of course, boom, it's murder. It's a white guy. It's a white officer. It's a black guy. He was running. He shot him. It's murder. Case solved. Boom. He's going to prison forever. Not so fast. Hung jury. Because the jury and the defense attorneys look at the totality of the evidence. They started with the traffic stop. And not only what you can see, but what you can't see, what you can hear. Because remember, this whole thing started, you can hear Slager tell dispatch he went for my taser and I shot him. Now, of course, the cell phone video, you see Walter Scott running away, then he gets shot. Now, in the audio of the dash cam, because even though he's out of his car, audio still picks up because it's wired to a device on his uniform on purpose, right? Duh. So the audio, you can hear, I'm going to tase you. You can even hear the officer yell, taser, 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 which tells me those are things that officers are trained to do by muscle memory, because in case you have witnesses, you want someone to say, well, he did yell, quit resisting, or he did yell, taser, 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 before he tased him. So hearing the words taser, taser, taser in that audio tells me at some point in this confrontation, because even in the audio, you can hear a struggle on the ground. You can actually hear the taser go off. So at some point during this confrontation, there was a taser involved. And yes, it appears on the video that Slager picked up the taser and placed it next to Walter Scott. Now, I wasn't there. I'm not Monday morning quarterbacking it. The video was shaky. The video jumped. It did a whole lot of stuff because, again, this wasn't some Hollywood movie where you got, you know, trained cameramen following you and, you know, they got the best equipment, the Canon 568 and all of this other stuff and, and the right lighting. This was some guy on his cell phone who was actually from a distance trying to hide. I don't know if it's because he didn't want to get seen or didn't want to get shot or whatever. So the key things to that trial and here we go. So. Before anyone says the judge was black who read the mistrial, it was 11 white people. They just said white people and one black man on the jury. So, again, if this was some race thing, it would have been real easy to get a conviction out of that because we don't know if it was the black man who hung the jury up. For all we know, he could have been not guilty for the officer. So let's not assume that just because he was black and just because he was from Charleston, that he wanted a guilty plea. We don't know the outcome of what the jury 
decided and who was for guilty, not guilty. We don't know any of that. All we know is 11 white people, one black man. And of course, the media has to say one black man because Walter Scott was black. And of course, they have to say 11 white people because the officer was white. But besides all of that crap, listen to the audio from the dash cam. I'm going to tase you. Taser, taser, taser. That's my taser impersonation. Taser, taser, taser. You hear a scuffle. They're scuffling. A few seconds later, their shots fired. So, again, he's running away. He's a 50-year-old man. Uh, He's not a threat, right? Let's just say for argument's sake, because one of Slager's attorneys, who happens to be black, by the way, one of his attorneys, imagine that. The defense team claimed that they have had evidence that Walter Scott did indeed touch the taser. Who knows? Maybe they had DNA evidence, right? So let's say they did, because I wasn't at the trial. I don't know what came out. And I'm sure in the transcripts it will come out eventually. But let's just say, let's just picture this for a second. Because he was running away, right? Let's just say he did somehow get Slager's taser. Now, again, I'm not justifying Walter Scott being dead. At the end of the day, someone lost their dad, their son, their brother, their uncle. I get it. But again, I'm thinking openly. Let's just say he got this taser. Or let's just say that the defense put the thought, because you have to be convicted beyond a reasonable doubt, right? Let's just say the defense put that thought in the jury's head to say this individual, Walter Scott did indeed have the officer's taser. He did indeed pose a threat to the officer. He did indeed tase the officer because I think that's one of the reports they, they had was that the officer was tased too, right? So follow me now. Now is he no longer a person running from the police or now is he an imminent threat to that police officer? Well, he was running away, right? But let's say he did tase the officer, and let's say for whatever reason he decided to turn back around and want to fight the officer. Oh, you don't think it'll happen? Bull crap. You don't think I've been in a fight in my police career when I've even had a gun pulled on someone? You don't think it'll happen? Bull crap. So let's add those factors up. Taser, taser, taser. Maybe that was the officer that got tased. Or maybe Walter Scott, after he got tased, because if you don't believe people can get tased and not feel it, I dare you to go watch some YouTube videos. I've seen it personally, but I dare you to go watch some YouTube videos. Let's say he got tased, didn't feel it. Struggles with the officer. The officer drops the taser. Walter Scott picks it up. Now, all of a sudden, the officer is at an imminent threat of bodily injury or even death because once you get tased by that thing you drop to the ground most people do but again some people it has no effect on because they're high on pcp they're high on whatever hallucinant that doesn't matter sometimes it doesn't work so add those factors in and then add the doubt that the jury 
had a traffic stop that started out shaky, right? Oh, I just bought the car. Oh, I don't have insurance because I hadn't bought the car. Well, you just told me you bought the car. Well, I'm actually going to buy it Monday. Oh, okay. I'll be right back with you. 30 seconds later, you're fleeing from the car. Now, his family says it was because child support. We don't know what made him flee out of that car. I really don't think it's child support because he was behind like fifteen or $20,000. It's not like he hadn't, in that time, driven on a public road in Charleston, South Carolina, with the understanding that he could be stopped because he had a busted taillight. Think about that. He was behind fifteen or $20,000 in child support. You don't think he knew that? You don't think he was getting letters in the mail? You don't think the state of South Carolina suspended his driver's license? So he just decided to go driving that day of all days? No, no. He had been doing that for a while. So I really don't think that it was because he was behind in child support is the reason he ran. We don't know. We'll never know because he's not here to tell us. But think about it. I don't think it was because of this back child support. So you got two clips that I played at the beginning of the show. Very quick clips of a traffic stop that escalated very quickly. Walter Scott's was a little bit longer because at least Slager got back to his car and he was going to run his license and all of that stuff. But for Tisling, there was no chance to do that because the individual Du Bois started the car, took off, he shot, he died at the scene. And of course, everyone made it racial, looking at a very, 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 very short, short piece of what I like to call the totality of the evidence, which led to two mistrials. Oh, we need body cams. Well, they had body cams, and it led to a mistrial. They had dash cam, and it led to a mistrial. They had the cell phone video down in Charleston, which everyone was clear, oh, it's murder. But this is even before... They saw the traffic stop. Oh, it's murder. You looked at a 30-second piece of something that took minutes and minutes to escalate. And the officers in both cases, their suspicions were heightened. The boys lying. The boys, alcohol in the car. Walter Scott lying. Walter Scott running. Suspicions are high. People that run from police, what's to say they won't hurt police? So, it's not as easy. It's not as easy as people think. I've said it time and time again. Getting a conviction of someone acting in the line of duty while conducting those duties is very, very hard to do. But yet we want to go out, we want to spend money on all of these trials. We want to pay the families millions and millions of dollars before there's even a verdict. But who's paying for that? 
Walter Scott's family got $6.5 million. And not to sound too cruel, but $6.5 million. Does it really matter if Slager went to jail or not? He's lost his job. He'll never be a police officer again. That's not going to happen. You got $6.5 million. At some point, you're going to have to come to the realization, if you haven't already, that Walter Scott's actions ultimately led to his death, whether you agree with how he was killed or not. His actions ultimately led to his death. But my point is, it's not easy. It's not simple. And not to sound cliche well, I said that word wrong. This isn't a cliche. It's not always black and white. And I'm not talking pen and paper black and white. I'm talking it's not always black suspect, white officer. 99.999% it's not black and white. It's not racial. It's situational. Had the boys not fled in that vehicle, guess what? He would be alive today unless he died a different way. Had Walter Scott not jumped out of that vehicle and fled, he would be alive today unless, of course, he died a different way. And there would not be a $6.5 million settlement. I can't remember what the Boyce's family got, but it was a few million as well. Because, of course, you had all your normal players, Benjamin Crump, Al Sharpton, and all of these guys down in Cincinnati saying it was unjustified and here we go again and all of this other stuff. But it's not easy, especially when the individual is not conducting themselves as a law-abiding citizen. The jury is going to take all of that into consideration. Now, had this stop, either one, just been, oh, hey, officer, yes, my name is Walter Scott. Here's my driver's license registration. Here you go, sir. Nope, you don't have any warrants. Nope, you don't have any drugs in your car. Nope, your license is valid. But guess what? I'm going to shoot your black ass anyway. That would be a different story. But, oh, no, I just bought the car. Wait, no, I didn't buy the car. No, uh, I don't have insurance. You have your license. Oh, I don't know. Um, well, yeah, I got alcohol in my car, but what'd you stop me for? Oh, the front plate, but what'd you stop me for? <laughs> the jury listens to all of that. Remember, a jury is a bunch of people, 12 people, who watch Law & Order, who sit, they go to a job, they're like, oh, did you see the episode of CSI? But they get instructions on what the charging orders are. They listen to all of the evidence and they have to act reasonable. They have to put themselves as a reasonable person. How would I react? What would I think? Would I do this if I was pulled over by the police? Hmm. Things to think about. But hey, I'm just about out of time. Now's the part of the show that I hate to do, but I love to do it at the same time. If that makes sense, roll call. And if this is your first time listening to the show, this is the portion of the show where I highlight an officer who paid the ultimate sacrifice, their life, 
protecting and serving so people like you and me can walk the streets safely. Law and order in this country. So tonight, police officer Reginald, a.k.a. Jake Gutierrez, Tacoma Police Department, Tacoma, Washington, is end of watch November 30th, 2016. He was shot and killed after responding to a domestic disturbance call at a home on the 400 block of East 52nd Street. The male subject opened fire on Officer Gutierrez as he was approaching the house, killing him instantly. Other responding officers were able to make entry into the home and pulled Officer Gutierrez from it. He was transported to a local hospital where he later died. I'm sorry, he wasn't killed instantly. Uh, he then, the subject then barricaded himself inside the home and used two young children as human shields for several hours before SWAT eventually shot and killed him. Officer Gutierrez had served with Tacoma police for 17 years, 17 years. And just like that, in a split second, he was taken away from his family. So Godspeed to officer Gutierrez, my prayers to your family. Thank you, sir, for giving 17 years to the city of Tacoma, Washington. Thank you for protecting and serving. Thank you for being brave enough to pay the ultimate sacrifice. I thank you, my loyal listeners, for listening to me for the last half hour or so. I greatly appreciate it right here on RadioInfluence.com. I will see you next week, 8 p.m. Thank you and good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a dangerous conversation with Scott Ledger, Quick Fix, on Radio Influence. You know, late 30s, people started to have to sign into registries because of their religion. So, does that sound familiar? So, does Trump mean it? What's up with Trump? I say give the guy 100 days because you'll know. By the time he's 100 days in, you'll know the cabinet. Now, I'm hearing both sides of that. Oh, he's putting a whole bunch of lobbyists. And then, then I've heard Mike Pence is getting rid of those. And, you know, no, we're going to drain the swamp. And you know what? Just show me. Don't tell me. Don't talk about it. Make your choices. Walk the walk. I had this conversation a little earlier today. Walk the walk. If you plan on putting a, anyone from the LGBTQ, community in your office or uh, cabinet, please do. Not that you're trying to win people over. More of this person's highly qualified to be in this position, and I could care less if they're gay. That's what it needs to get to. So people say, oh, why did you say give Trump a, you know, give him some time? i like, well, because all I know is what he's yapped I have yet to see any of the actions this man will take place as the leader of the free world, as they like to put it, and what happens with him and Pence and his cabinet and his uh, Supreme Court nominations and everything. The only way you're going to know is to sit back and watch and obviously be vigilant. 
if you're against this man, and I'm right now I'm neutral because all I know is he shook up the system a little. The Democratic Party is starting to crumble under their own hubris, much like the Republican Party has over the last eight years, where lots of people are questioning the matrix, stepping outside, becoming a libertarian, becoming a Green Party, becoming an independent, and more and more people are literally involved in politics. Now, I know Facebook frustrates a lot of people. It doesn't, me. I see, like, wow, you learn so much about Just read down a thread. Wait till someone, someone posts something from the left or someone posts something from the right and watch the thread and read it. You learn so much about opinions in the country. Not, It's not like you're taking a poll, but it is like you get a microcosm of what people think about any specific subject matter, and it comes to your computer on Twitter or Facebook. So I'm all about what happened. I'm not a Trump guy. I'm not a Bush uh, guy. I'm not a Obama guy. I'm certainly not a Clinton person. Because these people have done nothing but have extend the agenda of globalism and water down our borders. And I don't want to sound like a... I'm not, I'm not saying that in a racist way. I'm talking about the sovereignty of a country is based on, yes, we do have some political influence in the world. Uh, let's end the wars. Let's start signing treaties. And as the so-called bright and shining light on the hill, we can lead the world to a more prosperous place rather than a more competitive place. But people go, oh, that's not going to happen. Powerful people want more power. And I'm like, you know what? They do. But information is power. Dangerous Conversation with Scott Ledger can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and RadioInfluence.com. 